welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. Back in the woods, out in the muck, you said something sweet, we were getting in the truck, so I giggled and I wiggled just a little like I didn't care. But a little bit of love from you is like honey to a bear Back at the house, out in the yard You settled up to me and you kissed me hard So I shivered and I quivered not a little, no it isn't fair How a little bit of love from you is like honey to a bear Oh now you don't have to do that much to please me episode of the 9420 podcast that was honey to a bear by sarah mccullough hi greg and carl how are you guys doing hey Hello. everyone guess hey. guess what i'm doing what are you what? doing i'm smiling <laughs> is that because invisalign liked our instagram post about the podcast uh, i think it is them. i'm day 11 with my invisaligns I'm just doing amazing. Again, I've, I've got to select an implant company for us to <laughs> sound bite for. Uh, you know, though, again, I think every, I think there's no new music anymore. Everything right. is retro. No, you know, this is, this was, this is the first time I've heard that. And that is, uh, that I thought that was delightful, actually. I like her voice. The production reminds me of like the Jimmy Buffett records of the early 70s, you know, kind of like, that fingers Taylor uh, harmonica sound and very creative uh, mix. 
actually a real dry vocal, which you don't typically hear in a female country voice, but I enjoyed it thoroughly. She lets all her musicians shine, basically. All get yep, the, yep, you know, yep. Very cool. Yeah, I enjoyed man. it. It's a very yep. well-produced so, uh, track. Yeah, what do, what do we know about her? So Sarah is a uh, client of Lady Savage Management, which is where we found her. She is releasing a full-length album on April 22nd called Sawmill's Daughter. Honey to a Bear, I believe, was the first single released off of it in anticipation of the full album release. She is releasing a new single this Friday, which we get to premiere called Half Crazy. And you got to make sure you listen all the way through because her um, Sawmill's Daughter is a single that's going to be released on April 22nd when the full-length album comes out, but we get to play it for you first here. Well, so. I'm looking forward to that. That yeah. was the first time I've heard her, and I think it's uh, very entertaining. I can't wait to hear the next two singles. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. We, we, we should just play them now and not talk this week. <laughs> well, we should just talk, but we but we have nothing to talk about well, as always. Well, hold on, because you said something, Carl, about how like everything is retro, but isn't there the saying, everything old becomes new again? So I feel like it's always a surprise to us when we hear sounds that are from the past, but like maybe we shouldn't be surprised by it anymore. Maybe that's just like history repeating itself and we've just so lived long enough. So anything ever new? <laughs> I mean, well, I, maybe I not. just think that we, yeah, I mean, I think that we have so many things to reference. You know, I mean, we've been listening, you know, Carl and I have been listening to music for 50 plus years. So you got some feedback on our podcast? I did. So, um, I oh, had a, this is interesting. Yes. I had a conversation with someone um, who is part of the indie music scene, um, and he'll actually be featuring us on his podcast coming up soon. But one of the things that was surprising was the fact that he actually listened to the podcast and gave references to the three of us. One, on the fact that he loves our banter and how we go back and forth and it flows very nicely and how we seem to like genuinely actually want to be on the podcast with each other, which I thought was a really good compliment because that it sometimes can be hard to like have that relationship develop. And there are even radio shows out there where, I mean, sometimes people are just like, why are they even on the <laughs> the show together. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, but what he also liked was that we basically do not hold anything back in terms of not necessarily having a wall up on like what's going on in the music industry and tips for artists on how to like navigate it because he doesn't think that that happens often enough. And he likes the fact that even though we are giving advice and it may necessarily go over artists' head, he said that that's needed because not a lot of the industry is at the point where they want to kind of, I guess, go against the grain a little bit. I, you know, I have been thinking long and hard about the idea that when are people going to get tired of hearing us talk about the music industry that no longer exists? I mean, you know, I mean, this person said, and that that is a compliment, I believe, that we're willing to say that it doesn't exist or we're willing to say that things don't work the way they used to or we're willing to talk about quotes back in the day. But the reality of it is that I think people are going to get tired of hearing it and they'll be like, you know, why is that relevant? You know, tell us how to do it today. And I don't know that there are answers. Because it's still, it's still up in the air. It hasn't like landed yet. I, I would like to believe that streaming is still not the de facto answer. I would like to believe that. Let's hope so. Well, and I think, too, it's one of those things 
artists just don't know. They only repeat what they see from other artists unless they have a team behind them. And a lot of the times when you have a team behind you, you pay lots of money for that team to help you, but you still may not even be able to get there. So I think it's just this whole, no one really knows what's going on. So nobody knows. Although there's a faction of people that will charge you money to tell you what to do. And then when it doesn't happen. Again, but that's nothing new. There's been scams yeah, in the radio world promotions from day scams, one. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. so like no there's always been scams. Just that technology is such that it's just so vast now and there's so much going on. One, it changes constantly. Like the algorithm of yesterday is not the algorithm of today, nor will it be the algorithm of tomorrow. So even if you do something that, that gets you positive results a week ago doing the same thing in a month isn't going to provide the same results. People don't mind going over this over and over again because still, like I said, it hasn't landed. It's still the Wild West. No one knows what's going to I would like to it. think that's the case. I would like to think it's still a disruption and you can still make a record and or make a recording and people can discover it and you can make a living going out and selling it and performing it. I would like to know. Because people wanted to go back. But maybe that's also why everyone is sounding so retro right now because they they want to go back that way. They think that maybe something's coming. So that's the sound that they're bringing to the forefront right now. When you buy music from an artist, when you buy it direct, you know, either from the table when you've seen a live gig or maybe you're working through a one of the digital platforms that you know 100% of the sale goes back to them. Do you feel good about that or do you not think about it? You just consume the music and you don't think about the money going into the pocket of the person that created it. I don't buy new music, you know, so. Well, I think that's maybe one of the changes that should be down the road. The idea that we create commerce again for people that are creating these things. Well, you know, but again, I think what happened with that too, and, 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 Dare I say it, but I think it went too far. It's almost like baseball salaries. You know, these rock stars got too rich. It got too stupid. It got too astronomical, the money these guys made for making records. I've said that for years, that it's all based on a false economy. I've said that for years. So now it has to be brought back to some kind of reality, and everyone's getting bent out of shape because they're not making the money that, you know, Bon Jovi made, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I've always said that we've got, we've got to figure out a business where anybody that wants to make make an album, they produce something that's reasonably entertaining, they ought to be able to make fifty dollars to $100,000 a year doing that. If yeah, we can make, get to that a good place. Living, a good living doing it, but these guys that like, you know. Yeah, that got that, that make $20 million. Yeah, that's, that's a different thing. But again, I guess if they can generate it, they can generate it. You know, if, if someone's willing to pay you $20 million to go do something, I'm not going to say no. All right, I'll take it. Right. You know, and then, and that becomes your price, you know. I've been in a, in kind of a bad mood since uh, yesterday. A friend texted me and they said, uh, we checked out the uh, ticket prices on the, there's a, there's a thing called the Oaks, which is at Churchill Downs. It's the race the day before the Kentucky Derby and being from Louisville always used to go. More and more things are becoming in my life. They once were for me and now they're for others. He texted me the ticket price for one ticket to gain entry into the Oaks this year. How much? It's $384. Get out of here. What? It's unbelievable to me. And, it, you know, it, that's where the $20 million goes. It's the idea that 
people are getting $400 for you to put your butt in a seat and listen to 45 minutes of music. There used to be these things in New York called the Schaefer concerts when I was in high school, sort of the seventies. And I, I saw um, the birds. I saw, uh, you know, everybody was there, you know, yeah. like, um, like $4 and 50 Jackson cents. Bro- no, it's like two fifty, three yeah, dollars you, <laughs> you know, to see like, and it's like great seats. So they only, only like hold like 3000 people. Yeah. So and- I have general admission ticket stubs from like fog hat. And people right. like that, you know, it's four dollars and fifty cents, you know. You know, even the Beatles, I think, it was like four fifty. So I don't know. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? I'm not making enough money. So uh, this is totally going nowhere. So you want to play some more music? <laughs> yeah, sure. let's play um, Sarah's next single that comes out on March 25th called Half Crazy. But before we get into that, we'll also learn a little bit about her management company, which is Lady Savage Management. This episode features an artist from Lady Savage Management. Lady Savage Management is a Nashville-based PR, branding, and management company owned by Natalie Bailey. With over a decade of combined professional experience in the music and public relations industry, she helps her clients by gaining them exposure on a national scale and laying the groundwork for them to position their brand for a legacy of success. For more information, visit ladysavagemanagement.com. Again, that is ladysavagemanagement.com. I was 
Backstage at the Opry. Man, uh, you know you know how difficult it is to play a track that slow? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you I, know, everybody's intonation has to be perfect. You know, it, it's a very difficult thing to do. And that was very pleasing. I'm a, I'm a fan of this. I thought it was great. Yeah. I find it getting older. Like, I never liked country music when I was younger. I always thought it was cowboys, lame. And, you know, I was too, I was too cool, rock and roll. That was it. Country was stupid, you know. But now as I get older, I kind of appreciate it. It's kind of Yeah, this is uh, – this that takes cool. some expertise to play a track of that at that meter uh, and and have it not, you know, have it not bore you and have it stay in tune. And You know, I've heard that yeah. from the drummer in Pink Floyd. Yeah. Because they used to play like – Yeah, those kinds the of – beats. And, yeah, and tempos, to keep those tempos yeah. – in yeah. the pocket and not be like where you are. Oh, yeah. And you you're, know? you're also, if you're playing, uh, you know, instruments, you know, you've got th- those long whole notes and, you know, so it, it, it you gotta it have some take, feel, some soul going yeah, on. Right? It takes a lot of expertise to play that way. Her voice is for me, very reminiscent of early teenage Brenda Lee. She's got a great voice. I, I really like it. Okay. Well, we did talk to her if we want to get to our questions of the week segment. Yeah, let's get to know her better. There's that professional music. <laughs> production music. All right. So the first the first question that we asked her Don't is... Don't you just feel more grounded in the podcast when you hear that theme? I do. I do. I do. I'm like, man, this, this is really professional. All right. So the first question that we asked Sarah is to tell us a little bit about herself. Hello there. My name is Sarah McCullough, and I'm a singer-songwriter and recording artist based out of South Florida. I was born and raised in an unincorporated part of Collier County, basically in the middle of the Florida Everglades. My parents were hippies who pioneered a rural life based around my father's sawmill business. 
My sister and I were homeschooled on a large piece of property where we learned about hard work, throwing slabs off that sawmill, and we learned about good music from both of my parents, who were big music lovers and artists themselves. I've lived in Florida for most of my life, other than about 12 years that I lived in the western New York Buffalo area. I'm proud to say I released my debut album, Strawberry Moon, in 2018 while living in New York. Since then, I have grown in experiences and songwriting abilities, and I am super excited to be putting out new music finally. The first single, Honey to a Bear, off my new album was released about a month ago, and we have another single coming out at the end of this month. The whole album, called Sawmiller's Daughter, will be released April 22nd. You know, we were talking about uh, words earlier. Yes. Right. I didn't know that sawmiller was a word. I knew about sawmills and I know about millers, but I didn't know that sawmillers was a thing. That's interesting. Well, what what else would they be called? Uh, you would be the guy that runs the sawmill. I didn't oh. know that people got called Wouldn't saw the guy who millers. runs the sawmill be a sawmiller? Yeah. I, I just never, I'd never heard that before. <laughs> All right. So either did I, but I didn't even think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> All right. So the next question we asked is, what are you currently working on right now? Well, I just released the first single off of my sophomore album, Saw Miller's Daughter, and the single is called Honey to a Bear. It was accompanied by an adorable cartoon video that has been watched over 30,000 times on YouTube. It's going to be followed up by my second single, which is called Half Crazy, and that is coming out on March 25th. And then finally, that sophomore album, Saw Miller's Daughter, will be released on April 22nd. So Saw Miller's Daughter has really been a labor of love for sure. It's had many obstacles, including my cross-country move and recording delays due to COVID. I actually wrote and rewrote a lot of the songs due to the long time it took to finish the album, but it's been so worth it. Each song is like my child that I have raised, and now I can't wait to see what they do as an adult. It's super exciting. So is she back in Florida, or is she up in New York now? No, she's back in Florida. So she released her first album when she was still in Buffalo, and then that's where the cross-country move happened. She went back to Florida. So I'll tell you, man, the Everglades in Buffalo, that's two different places. Very, (laughs) very two different. It's it's like you've got the the swamps versus the Arctic tundra. Because I I, I lived in Rochester, so I kind of was up there for a while. So yeah, that's not the Everglades. <laughs> no, you know, no. It's probably she also said she also opposite. said something interesting uh, to um, singer songwriters that listen to this podcast. Notice how she said, "I wrote and rewrote," and she's not very precious about the idea that you know once it was written, maybe it couldn't be improved. Uh, so she says, "I wrote and rewrote." And I'm glad that I did. That's yeah, but, who, but again, again, you, maybe, maybe there are things that maybe because you, you know more writers than I do. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. to me, that's just an obvious thing to do. I rewrite constantly. There are songs off of like, you know. Uh, you would be shocked at the people that write yeah. something and they think it's a gift from the, you know, there are songs, another dimension and they don't want to mess like, with There it. are songs that I wrote like, you know, 25 years ago that I play and then I'm going, you know, this would be a better line. Right. I, and, and I change it. This is a better yes, word. You need to. And I just change it. It's, it's like, you know, yeah. cause to me it's better. Yeah. I'm I, grown. Mean, I, I think that, uh, I think that's the craftsmanship of, of songwriting. Well, you know it, I mean? But then it's always like Paul McCartney goes, you know what? Maybe, maybe you should be let it go. <laughs> well, but yeah. <laughs> <Let it> go. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, but I think that that's how you discover whether or not you have a talent for it is the idea that your, 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 your early drafts should be much improved from the, you know, the preceding draft. And then when you get down to the final, it should be pretty much be the way you wanted it. You know, your conservation of lyric and I guess it also depends. All that stuff. It also depends on what level of career you're at. Like if you're a famous guy, you know, you can't rewrite I wanna hold your hand. It's kinda of written in stone at some point. You yeah, know, yeah. You gotta leave it. So I, I think most write most great writers are good editors too. Most writers I think are um I think are great drinkers. <laughs> anyway what's the next question so the next question we asked is what other music artists have inspired your career so far so as you can probably already guess my father was a really interesting man and very influential to me he was the son of a minister so we spent quite a bit of time in church we spent quite a bit of time singing from the southern baptist hymnal he sang and played guitar He loved the Southern Baptist stuff. He loved the staple singers. He was also a hippie, so we listened to a lot of Bob Dylan and Neil Young. So I was introduced to singer-songwriters by my dad. My mom introduced me to the female singer-songwriters. Linda Ronstadt's Heart Like a Wheel and Carole King's Tapestry were on repeat in our house growing up. So those albums really piqued my interest in, in the writing. With Linda Ronstadt, I became interested in the trio with her and Dolly and Emmy Lou. And uh, I think their delicate harmonies and the songs that they chose for those albums really turned me on to country music. When I attended public school in the small town of Clewiston, an hour north of our property, I think that's where I fell in love with country music. And I was lucky enough to be uh, able to see a lot of the great 90s country acts um, in person, Randy Travis and Alan Jackson and Patti Loveless. Recently, I've really, really, really come to love Leanne Womack. She influences me quite a bit. Yeah, all, all like, you know. Those are all very legit. Right. Inspirations, you know. I'll tell you, but she mentioned one person. I've been seeing some videos, too, on Facebook. Maybe I'm being obvious here. Maybe most people get this, but I, you know. But I've, I never really realized how utterly amazing 70s Carol King was. <laughs> Yeah. I've seen these videos of her at the piano with a troubadour in like 71 when she came out with, you know, she's already had a career with her, with Jerry Goff and all those, all those Tim Pan songs. Alley and, right. Yeah. Or the Brill Building, all those like songs yeah. the Beatles even covered, Throat for the Monkeys, all these years. So then she like yeah. kind of was the first right around Joni Mitchell or maybe even a little before Joni Mitchell. But she came out yeah. with, and then Tapestry came out and she would sit at the piano and like, she was like a great piano player and she was like yeah. jazzy and she could cut this stuff live and she was like amazing, right? Yeah, the tapestry record is like, you know, life changing. But actually the record that I spent the most time with was Jazz Man. Is that her? That was like a follow up album, uh, a two or three in from uh, Tapestry. Really good, solid 70s singer songwriter stuff that. Really, kind of transcended a lot of different genres. I mean, you just forget you how great these people, to, how great you know, these people it, were, man. Because you, you know, it's weird. Because I guess I, I'm part. I guess I'm an offender. I've become like an ageist. So then you see like Carol King now, and she looks like some old woman. You know, you know, and like yeah. you forget that she was like this young hip chick, right? You know, who right. was cutting edge. 
you know, and like yep. all these people, like, you know, Paul Simon and Jackson Brown and James Taylor, yep. you know, he, these yep. were cool people. John David Souther, who wrote yeah. Faithless Love and, you know, that uh, Black Rose record is an iconic record too. That's kind of that West Coast version of Poco. And, oh. Uh-oh. You know what I realized? This is my new thing. No more getting old. <laughs> People who are young and cool and hip have to stay young, cool and hip. This should be. Stay if we can figure forever. that out, we're, we're no. To me, like you know, there should be a new rule that if you become famous, young, cool and hip, you have to stay that age. It's like a reverse. It's like a vampire. Paul <laughs> McCartney should look like. Well, he could pick a couple different ones. I guess I'd pick like sixty-eight McCartney. Freeze there. Well, you know what's interesting? Didn't he? Didn't he uh, recently have a, a video where he was like there was a digital was rendering yeah, of that him was young? Great man, he did it with with Beck. He's ageless in the video, but yet it's a song that he recently. It's got to be rough, man. Like you know me, like you and I, we can age gracefully to a degree because you know we we're just gradually doing it. You know, and among our friends, and we people. don't have anybody watching. Yeah, right? but so, but when you're yeah. like Paul McCartney, you were like you just turn every time you turn around. There's a picture of you when you were 23. You know, everywhere. <laughs> Forget it. So I think the last question was, um, what a successful career in music looks like. Let's see what uh, Sarah had to say. So a successful career in music to me would be to be able to do it full time and support myself and my son. I'm a single mom to a teenager, so I would love to be able to do music full time and make enough money to meet our needs. So I would like to find a balance between home and travel where we had a home base for writing and a supportive uh, writing community. I have considered possibly moving to Nashville. We're not sure about that yet, but I would like to be able to have a, a, a home base for writing and then be able to travel and perform and hopefully make new friends and reach a new audience with my music. But my love is in the songwriting. So I think success to me, um, regardless of where I get financially or commercially, success to me is growing and developing as a songwriter. She said the magical word, though, that she's thinking about moving to Nashville. You you can't move to Nashville. Don't move. Yeah, to I was going to say, don't, don't do it. Don't move to Nashville. Find a great little Texas town that you can live on the outskirts of and travel to a roadhouse yeah. three nights a week and do a six month residency. All right. So is that it guys? I think that's it. All right. Let's get on out of this episode for everything that we spoke about. You can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers nine, four and the letters T W E N T Y. And make sure that you listen through all the way to the end, because we will be playing one last song by Sarah called Saul Miller's daughter. Talk to y'all later. Crickets jump and the deer and the catfish play. Lived a sawmill man on a piece of land, raising his family. As a little girl, he was my whole world. My daddy worked hard every day. Chase the hogs, mill the logs, make that saw blade spin away.
When you're out on the land, logging the strand, it's a struggle just to survive. Working the saw and praying to God that you make it out of there alive. When the cypress falls, it's a hell of a fall. You better get back and be still. Load it on up and take it on home to that old Cause I'm a telling you son, there ain't no fun in the life of a sawmill man. 